Before we get started, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors who make this free content possible. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Jessica Porter, and welcome back to Sleep Magic, a podcast where I help you find the magic of your own mind, helping you to sleep better and live better. Thank you, everyone, for being here tonight. Thank you, everyone, for subscribing. If you're in a position to subscribe, we really appreciate it. And if you cannot subscribe, I'm so glad you're here. Please consider supporting the show in a different way by posting about it on social media or telling your friends or just spreading the good feelings that you get from this podcast. You know, I was thinking this morning, we don't need to talk in our lives as much as we just need to be. And people really feel our peace, our sort of being. And I don't know, I feel like we've forgotten that. So let this podcast help you just be comfortable in your own life, in your body, in your sleep, in relaxation. Let it help you to relax more and more deeply because there's no basement to relaxation and uh, watch the magic happen. Yay. All right. I just want to say I heard from a listener recently, Anna in Sweden. Hi, Anna, who says she stopped biting her nails. That by listening to Sleep Magic, She's relaxing in so many ways she never did before. And that little ticks like that are sort of disappearing without even any effort on her part. So I love that. Okay, tonight, how the camel got its hump. Tonight, I'll be reading two stories from a series by Rudyard Kipling called The Just So Stories, which were published in 1902. These stories were recommended to me by a listener named Frost, who reached out to me on Instagram. Hi, Frost. Thanks for the suggestion. And thanks to everyone for all their suggestions. Now, these stories are named the Just So stories because he would recount them to his daughter, Effie, at bedtime, 
and she was so familiar with them that she wanted them told just so. Exactly the same way every time, and if he deviated even one bit, Effie would call him out on it. Now, Kipling was British, but was born and spent much of his childhood in India. It was a place he returned to later in life and had a deep connection to that country and culture. These stories, all myths he developed about how certain animals got their traits, are full of Kiplingisms, words he made up that he delivers with utter authority while weaving a mysterious literary tapestry. And I love that the words are new and strange because your mind will be in hypnosis and you can simply play with them and let them go as you drift deeper and deeper into relaxation. So, as always, we'll start tonight with some hypnosis. And then I'll begin with how the camel got its hump, followed by how the rhinoceros got his skin. Just allow yourself to hang out on the words, to hang out on my voice, and let yourself just go deeper and deeper into relaxation. Enjoy. So get yourself into a safe and comfortable position, and let's begin. Just allow your eyes to close easily and gently. And bring your awareness to your breath. It's so nice to bring your awareness back home to your body. Back home to your breath. Such a simple shift in focus. But it changes the direction entirely. From outside of you, out exploring, worrying, doing, reacting, to inside, settling, being, releasing, letting go. So as you allow your awareness to just hang out on your breath, understand that that very simple shift is a very big deal. Because all of your power is inside of you. That's where it begins. That's where it's renewed. And then you can let your cup runneth over and allow this good energy to move into the world. But it's always being restored and renewed inside you. That's the only place we can really find it. Good. So now bring your awareness up into your eyelids and imagine that the little muscles of your eyelids are feeling loose and limp and relaxed. Allow your eyelids to get nice and heavy. Feel them as heavy. It's not an idea, it's a feeling. Let the heaviness take over. And now I'd like you to accept the suggestion that your eyelids are so heavy and relaxed that they simply will not open 
And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to test your eyelids to make sure they will not open. So you're pretending now that they're so heavy, they won't open. Most of you are familiar with this, but I repeat it for the newcomers. So we're playing pretend here. So now I'd like you to test your eyelids to make sure they won't open by wiggling your eyebrows. Just give your eyebrows a little tug. Good, good. Now you can stop testing. Good, as you take yourself deeper and deeper into relaxation. Now this wonderful heaviness and laziness and relaxation that you have in your eyelids, let's imagine that this relaxation is moving all throughout your brain. Let's have it sink back into your brain, this heaviness, this laziness. It feels so good to give yourself permission to just let go. Imagine that wonderful heaviness pouring back into your brain. Your head is getting heavy, heavy on the bed. Allow your head to feel like a bowling ball on the bed, on your pillow. Let's imagine that heaviness moving into your face. Just allow the muscles of your face to soften and release. You don't need to put on a show for anyone. You don't need to wear some mask anymore. We all wear masks in the world. But when we sleep, we're all relaxed and vulnerable. And we stop watching one another which is so nice. So let's just imagine now that warm waves of relaxation are lapping up against the beach of your mind. Imagine that your mind is a beach, beautiful, warm beach. And allow those warm waves of relaxation to lap up against the beach of your mind. As all mental tension disappears. And that heavy feeling that began in your eyelids is now moving down through your neck, down deep into your shoulders. And your shoulders are releasing and letting go. They're letting the day go. All the things we carry on our shoulders, consciously and unconsciously, all those things we carry on our shoulders, the great thing about sleep is that we're allowed to let them go while we sleep. In fact, we need to let them go while we sleep. And as you allow the responsibilities that you carry on your shoulders to fall to the floor, 
responsibilities you feel to your friends and your family, to your work, to the world at large, to the future, to the planet, and even responsibilities you feel to the past. Imagine them all falling to the floor. Because as you let them go, your subconscious mind can solve and work on problems that your conscious mind could never solve. So it's good to let them go. It's good to release them to the stronger forces in your mind and body. And you can pick any or all of them up off the floor tomorrow morning consciously if you want to. But for right now, you get to go on vacation. You get to release not only your responsibilities, but even your sense of self. Your own identity and its patterns get to soften. You get to dream and float and fly. And it feels so good. So as that heavy feeling moves down your arms, allow your arms to feel really, really relaxed, sinking into the bed or the side of your body or wherever they are. Just allow your arms to go. Let go. As they feel heavy, like they're made of marble. And as the relaxation moves down into your hands and fingers, they too feel heavy. And any excess energy you're carrying around is moving out the palms of your hands. Out into the world, down into the earth. <sighs> While you're listening to this recording, you may be aware of sounds going on around you in your environment. And that's okay. You don't need to block them out. In fact, from this moment on, any sound that you hear will actually cause you to go deeper and deeper into relaxation. So bring your awareness to any sounds going on around you now. Maybe noises from the street or sounds from within your environment, your home. Listen to them. Be open to them. As you make the decision that they're taking you deeper and deeper into relaxation. And they do. Great. The only sound you're paying any real attention to is the sound of my voice, and the sound of my voice is also taking you deeper and deeper. 
And at a certain point, you'll stop listening even to my voice. And it'll just seem like noise in the background as you go on your journey into relaxation. beautiful so let's imagine that heaviness now moving down into your chest cavity down deep into your belly as your whole torso feels nice and heavy on the bed and it feels so good to allow any energy that's been building up inside of your chest or your belly any tension or worry just to Let it relax. Let it release. As you take yourself deeper and deeper. And that heaviness is moving down your legs now. Allow your legs to feel nice and relaxed. Nice and heavy, like they're made of marble. As the relaxation moves all the way down into your feet and your toes and the soles of your feet open up and any tension that's built up in your body today is releasing down through the soles of your feet down into the earth. Good. How the Camel Got His Hump by Rudyard Kipling. In the beginning of years, when the world was so new and all, and the animals were just beginning to work for man, there was a camel, and he lived in the middle of a howling desert because he did not want to work. And besides, he was a howler himself. So he ate sticks and thorns and tamarisks and milkweed and prickles, most scruciating idol. And when anybody spoke to him, he said, Humph. Just humph. And no more. Presently, the horse came to him on Monday morning with a saddle on his back and a bit in his mouth, and said, Camel, oh camel, come out and trot like the rest of us. Humph, said the camel. And the horse went away and told the man. Presently the dog came to him, with a stick in his mouth and said, Camel, oh camel, come and fetch and carry like the rest of us. Humph, said the camel. And the dog went away and told the man. Presently the ox came to him with the yoke on his neck and said Camel oh camel come and plow like the rest of us 
humph, said the camel. And the ox went away and told the man. At the end of the day, the man called the horse and the dog and the ox together and said, Three, oh three, I'm very sorry for you with the world so new and all. But that hump thing in the desert can't work or he would have been here by now. So I'm going to leave him alone and you must work double time to make up for it. That made the three very angry with the world so new and all. And they held a palaver and an indaba and a punchayet and a powwow on the edge of the desert. And the camel came chewing on milkweed, most scruciating idol, and laughed at them. Then he said, Humph, and went away again. Presently there came along the jinn in charge of all deserts, rolling in a cloud of dust. Jinns always travel that way because it is magic. And he stopped to palaver and powwow with the three. Jinn of all deserts, said the horse. Is it right for anyone to be idle with the world so new and all? Certainly not, said the jinn. Well, said the horse, there's a thing in the middle of your howling desert, and he's a howler himself, with a long neck. and long legs. And he hasn't done a stroke of work since Monday morning. He won't trot. Phew, said the gin, whistling. That's my camel for all the gold in Arabia. What does he say about it? He says, humph, said the dog. And he won't fetch and carry. Does he say anything else? 
I won't plow, said the ox. Very good, said the djinn. I'll humph him, if you will kindly wait a minute. The djinn rolled himself up in his dust cloak and took a bearing across the desert and found the camel, most scrutiatingly idle, looking at his own reflection in a pool of water. My long and bubbling friend, said the djinn. What's this I hear of your doing no work with the world so new and all? said the camel. The djinn sat down with his chin in his hand and began to think a great magic. While the camel looked at his own reflection in the pool of water. You've given the three extra work ever since Monday morning. All on account of your excruciating idleness, said the djinn. And he went on, thinking magics, with his chin in his hand. said the camel. I shouldn't say that again if I were you, said the djinn. You might say it once too often. Bubbles, I want you to work. And the camel said, (laughs) again. But no sooner had he said it than he saw his back that he was so proud of, puffing up and puffing up into a great big lolloping Did you see that? said the djinn. That's your very own hump, 
that you've brought upon your very own self by not working. Today is Thursday, and you've done no work since Monday, when the work began. Now, you are going to work. How can I, said the camel, with this hump on my back? That's made a purpose, said the jinn. All because you missed those three days. You'll be able to work now for three days without eating. Because you can live on your hump. And don't you ever say, I never did anything for you. Come out of the desert and go to the three and behave. Hump yourself. And the camel humped himself hump and all, and went away to join the three. And from that day to this, the camel always wears a hump. We call it hump now not to hurt his feelings. But he has never yet caught up with the three days that he missed at the beginning of the world. And he has never yet learned how to behave. The camel's hump is an ugly lump, which well you may see at the zoo. But uglier yet is the hump we get from having too little to do. Kitties and grown-ups, too. Ooh, ooh. If we haven't enough to do, ooh, ooh. we get the hump. Camellius hump. The hump that is black and blue.
we climb out of bed with a frowsly head and a snarly, yarly voice. We shiver and scowl and we grunt and we growl at our bath and our boots and our toys. And there ought to be corner for me And I know there's one for you. When we get the hump, Camellius hump, the hump that is black and blue. The cure for this ill is not to sit still, or froused with a book by the fire. But to take a large hoe and a shovel also and dig till you gently perspire. And then you will find that the sun and the wind and the gin of the garden, too, have lifted the hump, the horrible hump, the hump that is black. And blue. I get it as well as you, ooh, ooh. If I haven't enough to do, ooh, ooh. We all get hump. Camellia's hump. Kitties and grown-ups, too. How the rhinoceros got his skin. Once upon a time, on an uninhabited island on the shores of the Red Sea, there lived a Parsi from whose hat the rays of the sun were reflected in more than oriental splendor. And the Parsi lived by the Red Sea with nothing but his hat and his knife and a cooking stove 
of the kind that you must particularly never touch. And one day, he took flour and water and currants and plums and sugar and things and made himself one cake which was two feet across and three feet It was indeed a superior comestible. That's magic. And he put it on stove because he was allowed to cook on the stove. And he baked it. And he baked it. Till it was all done brown and smelt most sentimental. But just as he was going to eat it, there came down to the beach from the altogether uninhabited interior one rhinoceros with a horn on his nose, two piggy eyes, and few manners. In those days, the rhinoceros's skin fitted him quite tight. There were no wrinkles in it anywhere. He looked exactly like a Noah's Ark rhinoceros, but of course, much bigger. All the same, he had no manners then And he has no manners now. And he never will have any manners. He said, How? And the Parsi left that cake and climbed to the top of a palm tree with nothing on but his hat, from which the rays of the sun were always reflected in more than oriental splendor. And the rhinoceros upset the oil stove with his nose, and the cake rolled onto the sand. And he spiked that cake on the horn of his nose 
he ate it. And he went away, waving his tail to the desolate and exclusively uninhabited interior which abuts on the islands of Mazandaran, Socotra, and promontories of the larger equinox. Then the Parsee came down from his palm tree and put the stove on its legs and recited the following sloka, which, as you have not heard, I will now proceed to relate. Them that takes cakes, which the Parsi man bakes, makes dreadful mistakes. And there was a great deal more in that than you would think. Because five weeks later, there was a heat wave in the Red Sea. And everybody took off all the clothes they had. The Parsee took off his hat. But the rhinoceros took off his skin and carried it over his shoulder as he came down to the beach to bathe. In those days, it buttoned underneath with three buttons and looked like a waterproof. He said nothing whatever about the Parsi's cake because he had eaten it all. And he never had any manners then, since, or henceforward. He waddled straight into the water and blew bubbles through his nose, leaving his skin on the beach. Presently, the Parsi came by and found the skin. And he smiled one smile that ran all round his face two times. 
Then he danced three times round the skin and rubbed his hands. Then he went to his camp and filled his hat with cake crumbs. For the Parsi never ate anything but cake and never swept out his camp. He took that skin and he shook that skin and he scrubbed that skin. And he rubbed that skin just as full of old, dry, stale, tickly cake crumbs and some burned currants as ever it could possibly hold. Then he climbed to the top of his palm tree and waited for the rhinoceros to come out of the water and put it on. And the rhinoceros did. He buttoned it up with the three buttons and it tickled like cake crumbs in bed. Then he wanted to scratch but that made it worse. Then he lay down on the sands and rolled and rolled and rolled. And every time he rolled, the cake crumbs tickled him worse and worse and worse. Then he ran to the palm tree and rubbed and rubbed and rubbed himself against it. He rubbed so much and so hard that he rubbed his skin into a great fold over his shoulders. And another fold underneath where his buttons used to be. But he rubbed the buttons off. 
and he rubbed some more folds over his legs. And it spoiled his temper. But it didn't make the least difference to the cake crumbs. They were inside his skin, and they tickled. So he went home, very angry indeed, and horribly scratchy. And from that day to this, every rhinoceros has great folds in his skin and a very bad temper. All on account of the cake crumbs inside. But the Parsi came down from his palm tree wearing his hat from which the rays of the sun were reflected in more than oriental splendor. Packed up his cooking stove and went away in the direction of Orotavo, Amygdala, the upland meadows of Anantarivo and the marshes of Sonaput. This uninhabited island is off Cape Gardafui. by the beaches of Socotra and the pink Arabian Sea. But it's hot, too hot from Suez for the likes of you and me. Ever to go in a P and O and call on the cake Parsee.